It's Thursday, March the 17th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Biden calls Putin a, quote, war criminal, and Russia bombs Mariupol theatre. First, the world in brief. President Joe Biden called Vladimir Putin, his Russian counterpart, a, quote, war criminal. A Kremlin spokesman said that was, quote, unacceptable and unforgivable rhetoric. A spokeswoman for the White House said there was no evidence of Russian de-escalation that would suggest progress towards a peace deal. Earlier, the Financial Times reported that a mooted agreement included a ceasefire and the withdrawal of Russian troops, if Ukraine declares neutrality and accepts limits on its army. Russian forces bombed a theatre in Mariupol where citizens were sheltering, according to the city council. The number of casualties is not yet clear. Satellite images taken before the attack showed the word, quote, children, written in Russian on the ground on two sides of the building. Ukrainian officials said the mayor of Melitopol, who was detained last week by Russian soldiers, has been freed. The American embassy in Ukraine reported that Russian forces fatally shot 10 people queuing for bread in the northern city of Chernihiv. In a menacing television appearance, Mr Putin warned Russians to be aware of, quote, fifth columnists, urging them to, quote, spit out like a midge that has flown into their mouths, those traitors whose minds have been captured by the West. The West's ultimate aim, he said, was the destruction of Russia. Russia said it had paid investors the $117 million it owed in interest payments on Wednesday as it sought to avoid its first international default for a century. It is unclear whether investors will actually receive the money since the funds used for the payments came from Russia's frozen foreign assets. Russia's finance minister said, quote, We have the money. We made the payment. Now the ball is in America's court. The International Court of Justice ruled 13-2 in favour of Ukraine, concluding that Russia's allegations that Ukraine was committing genocide against Russian speakers in Donetsk and Luhansk were false. The ruling strips away the legal pretext that Mr Putin used for the invasion. The two dissenting judges were, unsurprisingly, from China and Russia. In a video address, Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, appealed to America's Congress for help defending the sky over Ukraine with a no-fly zone or air defence systems. Quote, We need you right now, he said. The video, broadcast live online, included a montage of clips of Ukraine before and during the war. The Biden administration said it would send an additional $800 million in weapons to Ukraine. Other news. America's Federal Reserve raised its benchmark interest rate by a quarter of a percentage point to a range between 0.25% to 0.5% and signalled six more rate increases in 2022. An earthquake, measuring 7.4 on the Richter scale, struck northeast Japan, killing at least four people and injuring more than 140. Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe and Anusha Ashouri, British-Iranian nationals who were detained in Iran for several years after being accused of espionage, were reported to be travelling to Tehran airport to leave the country. 
and fact of the day, 350 million tonnes, the amount of food wasted in China every year. And now here's today's agenda. War or peace in Kyiv. Just two days after Russian rockets began in earnest to strike targets in Kyiv, came a glimmer of hope. Peace talks between Russia and Ukraine were said to be progressing, with the two sides coming closer to hammering out the details of an agreement to stop the war. Respite would come just as the capital's inhabitants braced for the worst bombardment yet. For the first 18 days of war, Russia's rockets and bombs almost entirely spared the capital, largely thanks to its air defence system, which surrounds the city in concentric circles. Good intelligence also proved crucial. But on March 14th, strikes on civilian targets showed this grace period to be over. Ukrainian forces are now fighting tooth and nail to hold back the invasion. Suburban towns and cities nearby are being flattened. If peace talks falter and Russian forces break through Kyiv's defences, the attack will be bloody and long. Putin's Foreign Legion Bashar al-Assad, the Syrian dictator, owes his survival to Vladimir Putin, who in 2015 sent Russian troops to fight alongside Mr. Assad's forces in the country's civil war. It was little surprise then to hear rumours that Mr. Assad might return the favour. In recent days, there have been reports of Syrian fighters signing up to join Mr. Putin's war in Ukraine. Sergei Shoigu, Russia's defence minister, says 16,000 volunteers from the Middle East are ready to enlist. There is no evidence any have arrived yet, but the recruiting effort seems real and revealing. That Ukraine's conflict might be a tempting offer for Mr Assad's mercenaries says much about economic conditions in Syria, where soldiers earn as little as $20 a month. More than six years after Russia intervened to save Mr Assad, the most lucrative career he can offer his citizens is a risky deployment in a grinding foreign war. Emotional support armour for tanks Russian tanks with crudely welded cages attached to their turrets have been spotted on the battlefields of Ukraine. They are an example of, quote, field expedient armour, stuff added to vehicles after they have entered service. At first glance, they suggest extra protection. But analysts say they provide little more than extra weight, unwanted attention and a false sense of security for the crew inside. One of the principal threats to armoured vehicles comes from high-explosive anti-tank weapons. These rocket-propelled grenades easily punch through thick steel, with the Russian-made but widely used RPG-7 able to penetrate 30 centimetres deep. Ukrainian forces have heavier-duty weapons too, including javelins and drone-borne MAM-L missiles. Added armour can be a cheap and light way to counter tank-destroying weapons. Sadly for the Russians, these cages offer little, if any, protection. Perhaps they are meant to improve morale. Pictures of destroyed vehicles surmounted by them suggest they may do anything but.
Dollar General's fortunes. Dollar stores are struggling to live up to their name. Deep discount chains, which cater largely to shoppers on low incomes in rural American towns, face soaring costs, supply chain difficulties, and rising wages. That is troubling for a business model that relies on stocking cheap, everyday products at stores staffed by low-paid workers. One chain, Dollar Tree, began raising its $1 price ceiling to $1.25 late last year. Dollar General, its larger rival, which reports earnings on Thursday to the quarter to January 28th, has not hewed to the $1 cap in decades. But it has also been squeezed. Its previous results were slightly above analysts' expectations, but forecasted that future sales and profit margins would disappoint. Yet the company has long proven adaptable. In 2020, the firm opened its first pop-shelf stores, which sell more expensive items to better-off customers. By the end of 2025, it hopes to have 1,000 of them. And as inflation surges, even shoppers who can afford more may go looking for bargains. Macron's Manifesto The French president will on Thursday take his campaign for re-election to the Paris Bonneu of Saint-Saint-Denis. There, Emmanuel Macron will unveil his manifesto. A few details are already known, including a promise to raise the pension age from 62 years to 65 in order to ease pressure on the welfare state. This goes further than Mr Macron's previous plans which was shelved during the pandemic. Some of his rivals promised to lower the retirement age. His pledge will be controversial. Mr Macron has left it late to disclose his plans, just as he waited until the last moment before declaring his candidacy. But neither seems to have damaged his chances. The opposition is fragmented. Twelve candidates are on the ballot. Anxiety about the war and a quest for stability, have increased his standing in the polls. The Economist's forecasting model now puts his probability of re-election in April at 97%. Mr Macron looks increasingly unassailable. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which book, attributed to Sun Tzu and written in the 5th or 6th century BCE, is still widely cited today? Wednesday, which city is home to the University of Oregon? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Napoleon Bonaparte. Four hostile newspapers are more to be feared than a thousand bayonets. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, 
including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.